Hello and welcome to the Beyond Biotech podcast number 58. I'm Jim Cornell and this is the weekly La Biotech podcast and it's going out on August the 11th, which is Independence Day in Chad and it's also Mountain Day. Probably not a lot of celebration of that one in the Netherlands. For Science Connections, I found out that it's the day in 1909 that an SOS signal was sent for the first time, and it's also the day that the sprinkler head was patented. So who is on the show this week and what's it about? Well, it's about 25 minutes. No, the subject this week is peptines, and if that sounds like a mix between peptides and proteins, you've won this week's prize, which is feeling good about yourself. To learn about peptines, we had a conversation with Christian Schwartz, CEO and co-founder of NumaFirm. So I guess the first question is if you could tell me what peptines are. So peptines are not new, new uh, known to the scientific community, at least the most at the moment. It's a word that we have created and we have created it because we worked on peptides a lot and also on proteins, which are known to the market, but we found that there's a kind of interspace, a kind of white spot of biotech, how we call it, between both worlds size-wise. So peptides are very small, proteins are very large, but in between there's a niche. And we call this niche peptides with quite unique functionalities and characteristics. So you went with peptides and not proteids. Yeah, the good one. We had also this word in mind, but somehow uh, it was smoother to say peptides. <laughs> what are they used for and, and how are they created? Usage of peptides is still rather limited due to challenges in manufacturing. So how they are created, um, peptides typically, like small proteins or peptides, are produced by chemical synthesis, which is very tough to be applied for long peptides, meaning peptides. But also normally when you talk about proteins, they are used by recombinant means, meaning by microbes. And microbes are also challenged to produce such small proteins or peptides. So the um, application is still rather limited. They are underrepresented on the market, but they have quite nice functionalities that might be valuable on the market, being, for example, growth factors or hormones for being used as drugs for humans or in an industry that is evolving very quickly, the synthetic meat industry, for example. Here you need a lot of these molecules to grow the synthetic meat and at the end to get it affordable. These growth factors need to be produced at large scale, very cheap, and that's very tough at the moment. So growth factors, hormones are peptides, but also drugs, as I mentioned. And there's much more that might be part of the peptide family, like vaccines, vaccines uh, against uh, corona or whatever kind of disease, and so on and so on. What are the unique properties of them that make them suitable for that? Two core properties. One property is that they are very complex. They contain a lot of so-called disulfide bridges. This is a connection intramolecular inside the molecule between two specific amino acids. We call them cysteines. So they form a bridge. And forming the right bridge in the presence of different of these amino acids is very tough. So it's very tough to produce them due to these specific amino acids. So they are very complex. Due to this complexity, they are very stable and highly active. And the second property is that they are exactly the opposite, being very linear, very unstructured. 
And this on the other side also makes it very tough to be produced because when they are linear and unstructured, they tend to aggregate, they tend to be destroyed by so-called proteases. So these are two, two properties being either very unstructured or very structured. You said that it's quite limited right now. Is there a lot of potential for their use and how do you grow that use? You know, peptides are hardly used already on the market. Proteins are hardly used on the market. So if you get access to a new class of molecules in an affordable way, there, of course, the potential. If there's still not a cheap way to produce them, then, then you just can say, where could they be applied? Yeah, but one example I phrased already, they are already used for growing synthetic meat, but here they are still the cost driver, making it at the moment not possible to, to produce such synthetic meat affordable for the mass market. So here is a clear example. Yeah, If they would be cheaper, then this would be a um, natural evolving market. So that's one of the biggest challenges, I guess, is price. How do you reduce that? We reduce the price because our technology, it's, it's the first and only biochemical production platform for peptides, proteins and peptides. And um, it's unique in terms of, at the end, efficiencies translating to reduced cost, of course, because we have huge number of molecules we start our process with, and our process is very easy and quick. So overall, everything is set on the green light to be cheap. And producing different kinds, what are the different uses of the different, because you mentioned the different kinds of peptines that you can create, how do you produce them for specific markets? The, the business model of Numafram at the moment is that people have, you know, a molecular mind and um, they have maybe heard about it or have done initial studies with the molecule and then they get good results. So they want to somehow commercialize the molecule. But how to produce? That's the question they raise. And, uh, and in particular, cost efficiently then. Hopefully they, they hear about Numafram and what we do is they just shout the molecule to us, the sequence, the amino acid sequence, and then we do our job. We integrate that in our technology, tailor-made for them. So we develop a production process based on our technology for them. And by doing so, they get access to this good process, being able to produce these molecules for them very, very cost effectively. All right. Are you working with many companies at the moment on this or is it just uh, fell in, in its infancy? We have a lot of clients. Um, we have a lot of companies from the pharma sector, also from non-pharma sector. We work with big com- uh, pharma, with biotech, um, with um, Fortune 500 companies. A lot of projects are ongoing and um, yeah, we have good traction here. You said it's useful in many different areas? Yes, so we see at the moment a strong growth in the pharma area from us. So we have at the moment roughly 60-70% pharma clients, but we have also clients from the agriculture sector, aquaculture sector, nutrition and cosmetic sector, because um, typically what we see on the market is if you have highly priced products like drugs, right? Um, the pharma industry um, has, has high prices, right? If their modalities are successful, then the next evolution stage is bringing it to non-farm application. And typically you start at highly priced application like cosmetics or cosmeceuticals, so uh, the active cosmetics. Uh, you go to um, veterinary pharma and then you go to, um, I don't know, the next step like agri. And we are working on all these areas with our clients to bring biologics at the end, or let's call them peptides, to these kind of applications. And are you the only one working in this space or are there others? I cannot say that, unfortunately. So if we would talk with peptide producing companies that typically use chemical synthesis for the manufacturing, they would tell you they can produce peptides. 
if you talk with protein companies that use microbial systems, standard systems to produce proteins, and you ask them, they will tell you, I can do peptides. But the reality is that both technologies has, have limits. So I would say our technologies and enabling technology to get their hands on quickly and highly efficient. But you, if you ask people, you will get the answer, yeah, we can do that. All right. What's different about the process that you use, obviously, without giving any secrets away? I mentioned already chemical synthesis. This is a chemical reaction, you know, using organics and chemicals. That's not at all what we do. So no chemical synthesis. Um, we call a biochemical system where we use initially microbes, a microbial system as well. So we train cells to produce the target that we are asked for to produce by genetical engineering or molecular biology methodologies. We train them with our technology and our technology is unique. So what we do is we train the cells to produce something that normally people would regard as waste. We, we train the cells to produce a huge amount of aggregated targets. So normally people could do that as well, but you don't want to have aggregates, right? So it's waste. But we have developed a trick how we can convert this waste, this high amount of waste, quantitatively into the functional target, not aggregated anymore, but in a soluble functional form. This is our technology. So we can use this waste, generate the functional form in a biochemical reaction. So we have included something into the target as a tag, a protein tag that we call switch tag. And we can switch this tag on by the addition of ions. And this addition of ions converts this tag to activate the targets, being then non aggregated anymore, but functional. Could you tell me a bit more about the company? Is there any, are there any other things that you work on and give me a bit of the history of the company? Um, Numafirm was founded um, 2017, six years ago, after um, roughly six to seven year incubation time at the University of Düsseldorf. So the initial technologies we're applying are coming from my PhD times. And then I, I, I tried to spin it out. It took a few years. In 2017, we have done that. Uh, we have convinced investors. We were a team of six people. And since then, we were grown now to 30 people. We have a service model in general um, where we make our money with. But just recently, we tried to also implement product sales. So we have just released half a year ago our first product. It's a product, a protease, uh, that we use internally as part of our NumaSearch technology. So we have developed it for an internal purpose to make our technology better. But the people are crazy about it, kind of. So we, we made the first product out of that, and it's going good. So we now think about what else can we can we release as new products. And what's that protease used for? When we apply our new switch technology, we fuse targets to a switch tech protein. And of course, our partners, they don't want to have a switch tech protein being attached to the target at the end. So we somehow need to get rid of that. We started as peptide company six years ago, and there was a clear expectation from the markets to get peptides without anything being attached, like the sequence they asked for. If you work with proteins on the other side, people typically accept a few amino acids keeping attached even after removing uh, fusion partners. So there was a mismatch between the protein and the peptide world, but we wanted to become successful in the peptide field. So we needed to yeah, invent at the end something that allows the traces cleavage of fusion partners from peptides to meet the expectations of the peptide field, like being really the sequence they asked for. And we have evolved with partners a protease 
for the first time that can handle that. So we have now a protease in our hands that releases fusion partners from peptide and also proteins, tracelessly, we call it, we can produce proteins and peptides and peptides now natively without any overhangs. And this is due to the fact that we have developed this protease. And this protease, of course, can be applied in other kind of applications now. So when our partners hear about that, they, they now use it for totally different R&D studies they are running. So that, that's how it was evolved for an internal purpose. But obviously, we, we met a demand on the market. How are you going to be able to advance that? How are you getting the word out to get these in commercial use? We see already on the market that peptides are getting longer chains falling in the range of peptides. And we also see on the other side from the protein world that they get shorter. For example, imagine earlier days, everyone still is talking about antibodies. The new antibodies are short antibodies, single chain antibodies called sometimes nanobodies. So, you know, they get smaller due to better penetration characteristics and so on. So from both worlds, the modality is falling more and more in the peptide sector. We are not a drug development company. We see that people do it more and more in the peptides area, and we just the service provider helping them to get them to their hands. So the more the peptides grow in the world, in the pharma companies and other companies, the more business we have. And our job is to make them aware that our technology enables the easy production. So it's a kind of symbiosis. And you mentioned the fact that it's potentially used as um, in the agriculture industry, clearly things that are not chemicals are going to be more in demand as we try and improve on climate change, sustainability, that kind of thing? Absolutely. So um, we see uh, again and again that um, nature guides the way how to treat whatever. Yeah, We see it with the mRNA vaccines from the corona time. We see it in so many areas. At the end, we're going back to learn from the nature. In nature, use biologics and not chemicals most of the time, not always, of course. So there's a clear tendency into this direction. On top is a tendency to avoid organic uh, solvents and chemicals in the manufacturing strategy. So, yes, sustainability is a driver for this development. But also we just learn, tend to learn more and more from nature. We, we try to copy nature and adapt these findings and not think that we can generate new stuff because we are so smart. We are not, obviously. Nature seems to be superior quite often. Is artificial intelligence used much in the development of new proteins, peptides? Yes, it is. Um, So a lot of companies are growing um, in this area, becoming successful by raising money. We see this trend. We still see that AI, I mean, first of all, you need to define what is AI, what is machine learning. There's a lot of mixture between that. Yeah, So only if you use a computer, it's not AI, but some, a lot of people tell it like that. But if we now really talk about this um, AI, let's call it this, um, then we see that it's still limited. So the power of computers is still not sufficient to calculate really big mo- molecules. So companies working on AI either use small peptides, maybe small peptides, if at all, or they try to optimize binding pockets and proteins. But really generating new stuff, new proteins, this is impossible so far due to computational power lags. But we will go there. And already now, AI or computational-based calculations, they already help a lot to decrease the number of lead candidates that you need to screen to get the best candidate. So there's a lot of ongoing and it helps already, but there are also still limits. What's your hope for this field maybe in the next 
five years and also for your company? What do you, what do you see as the future? At the moment, I think we have proven that the technology works, that um, all the regulatory questions are answered. So is it allowed to, you know, inject stuff being produced by us into humans? All these things has now happened, but no product is already commercial. So, you know, most likely the life cycle of uh, drug development programs lasting 10 to 15 years. Um, and this would be, of course, great yeah, to, to be able to buy something uh, or get prescri uh, prescribed from doctors. I mean, this would be amazing. This will last another couple of years, but I, I would be so glad if this happens once. Uh, on top of that, on that, as I mentioned, we want to improve our product portfolio yeah, to have really unique offerings here to, to, to support our clients with our service, but on top with products. And we want to grow um, personal-wise, but also infrastructure-wise. So we, we have a pilot-scale production plant at the moment, but it's not a commercial plant. We don't have so-called GMP facilities uh, allowing production of um, drugs for clinical phases. There's a lot of things where we could grow, um, also diversifying our, our service offerings. Um, so, so a lot of ideas ongoing. Um, and I think in three to five years, we we want just we, we want to be much bigger than we are now. We are 30 people. Uh, I want to be much bigger then. Do you deal with companies around the world, or is it mostly in Europe? Around the world, our clients are really located from uh, Australia uh, via Asia, Europe to to the US. Our strongest market is already the US, so maybe an expansion in this direction might also be this idea that we uh, at the moment are evaluating on. So roughly 50% clients in the US and the rest major part in Europe, but worldwide. And you mentioned regulatory issues. Uh, do, the, do the regulations change all around the world? And is there enough awareness of peptines in that regard? And is it something that you have to work hard to address safety issues? Um, no, it's more about our technology because it's new. People tend to ask, yeah, is it you know, shown that it's safe? And so that's in question. It is. Yeah, so we don't have any question marks here. Peptines in general are regarded regulatory-wise as biologics. So you need to go the same track than you would do with a protein. Okay, those are the only questions I had. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? What I think is interesting, um, peptides are really produced a lot by chemical synthesis at the moment. Um, more than 85%. And um, there's just a new rule in Europe being activated by the 1st of July this year. That's the major organic solvent that you typically use for the production. It's called DMS. It's, it's just organic solvent. was banned from Europe. So there are still exceptions to use that because, you know, you cannot stop producing drugs, obviously. But by law, you're in principle not allowed anymore to use that. So this really puts a big, big problem on chemical synthesis and actually drives also the um, conversion from chemical synthesis to, to, to our or other systems that are water-based. Um, I think that's very important to mention. We have projects now that would never have come to us if this would not be the case. And I think that's important how politics can drive uh, sustainability changes. Just, you know, ban something. And people need to, to look for greener alternatives. And that's a very nice example how this could be managed by the European Commission. Right, so now you're all clued up on peptines. The quiet news month of August continues. And so I'm not sure what we will have for you next week. So I'd really better get on that. So I hope that wherever in the world you are, that you have a great week ahead, and you'll join us next time for another Beyond Biotech. <music> <music>